So, Elizabeth Warren has a plan for everything but the number one issue to Democratic primary voters. As we have seen and I have reported on, you know, listen, I don't think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton. I don't think she's Joe Biden. I don't think she's uh, Kamala Harris. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend she's Bernie Sanders because she's not. So Elizabeth Warren, uh, we know, has been very, very slippery on Medicare for all, which has majority support, not only among Democrats, but in recent polls, Republicans support Medicare for all uh, in majority support. So in the last two debates, for whatever reason, I could speculate on the reason, uh, Elizabeth Warren just won't state the obvious. Yeah. We're going to raise taxes a little bit like every other country does. And for those increase in taxes, you're going to be saving overall a lot of money because your premiums are going to go away, your co-pays, your deductibles, all that. She won't just plainly state that like Bernie Sanders will. And I have said that she will not do that because she doesn't really champion in her heart. She does not champion Medicare for all. She is basically saying what she thinks she needs to say to win the nomination. And then she's going to, wants to give herself some room to, what do they call that? Triangulate. Sprint back to the middle, to the center. Really the right, if you ask me. So uh, in a leaked audio, uh, this was Elizabeth Warren meeting with a union. Uh, Apparently she is, uh, shall we say, not concrete. Let's take a look at Elizabeth Warren uh, when she met with uh, work union workers from the International Longshore and Warehouse Union. And the goal has got to be that we've got to be in a place where we get coverage for everybody at the lowest possible cost. And the numbers are just clear on it. That's Medicare for all. Uh, I, the Republicans put together a study to show how expensive Medicare for all was going to be. You know, they really wanted to they wanted to show us, and it turned out it was cheaper than any alternative that anybody could come up with. Because you cut out all the crazy billing, you cut out all of the fighting with the insurance companies, and you cut out the $23 billion in profits that the insurance companies sucked out of the system just last year alone. And that doesn't even count what they spent on CEO salaries. Remember, their basic business model take in as much as you can in premiums and pay out as little as you can in healthcare coverage. Saying no is how they make money. So this is not sustainable over a long period. So we gotta figure out that's where we're headed. Now, how do we get there? And for me, I think of it the way I think of trade. And that is it matters who's at the table. I want to make sure that the folks who are at the table are folks who don't have health care coverage. I want to make sure they're there, but also folks who do have health care coverage. I want to make sure the unions are there. And I know not all the unions are in the same place on this because they have members that have, they're in different places on health care. This is going to be a process that is fundamentally about respecting the fact that we got to work together on this. For those for whom it is already part of their compensation package, then we gotta think about adjustments in the law that make sure not just that out of the goodness of their hearts that some employers will make up the difference, but that that's part of the legal structure. For people who don't have any coverage, 
we've got to make sure that they're represented about how fast we can get them into the system. So when I hear people say, well, we'll do 55, 50, 45, well, that's great if you have health insurance. We've got to find a way to get people into Medicare for all as quickly as we can. So it's not that I have a plan that says we're going to do this part, and then we're going to do this part, and then we're going to do this part. No, instead, my plan is we're going to get to a table like this. We're going to make sure everybody gets represented. We're going to understand the urgency of the moment to get this solved for people who aren't covered and get ourselves on a path where everybody can get there and everybody can get covered at the lowest possible cost. That's what Medicare for All is all about. Well, that explains it. That explains it, folks. I don't think I could get a copyright violation for singing a song. So Elizabeth Warren's plan uh, for Medicare for All is Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Oh, my lord, kumbaya. I mean, I know that I'm going to be attacked. Jordan, you're being unfair. She says she's for Medicare for all. Well, last time I checked, then-candidate Barack Obama said he was for single-payer as well. Then he said he was for a public option. And then we got a Republican health care plan. Um, Elizabeth Warren, to be clear, the candidate who has been just, frankly, slobbered all over by the media, She's so specific. She's so um, articulate. She dumbs things down. She dumbs down complicated issues to the point that everybody could understand it. Her plan, her plan for Medicare for All, and let me make sure I'm quoting her correctly. So it's not that I have a plan that says we're going to do this part, and then we're going to do this part, and then we're going to do this part. No, instead my plan is we're going to get to a table like this. We're going to make sure that everybody gets represented. We're going to understand the urgency of the moment to get this solved with people who aren't covered and get ourselves on a path where everybody can get there and everybody can get covered at the lowest possible cost. That's what Medicare for All is all about. So. We have, um, you, you remember in grade school, you had uh, the lesson, this, a word is underlined and that's a noun, this is a noun versus this word is a verb. So we have several nouns from Elizabeth Warren. Uh, we have a circle, I believe a circle is a noun. Uh, we have um, a pathway, a pathway, that's a noun. Um, framework, pathway, is framework a noun? I think so. Uh, circle is a noun too. That's a good one. Let's, let's, let's call, call this what it is. And I see people on Twitter defending her. Well, I don't like this headline is misleading. She's not moving away from Medicare for all. What's astonishing for this to me is you have the candidate who has been branded because a lot of politics and a lot of presidential politics, it's all about branding, right? You have a presidential candidate whose branding is, I have a plan for everything. I have a unique plan for how you put on your pants when you get out of bed without injuring your back. I have a plan for everything from, you know, getting the, getting the crust off, you know, getting the crust off uh, your bread 
for your kids who want the crest off in two seconds. She's got a plan for everything. But somehow, she's managed to go through a primary for, what are we in, almost 10 months, without having any plan for the number one voting issue for Democratic primary voters. You look at the midterm elections of 2018. Exit polls show 41% of midterm voters said healthcare was their top issue. You look at polls now, the Democratic primary polls, healthcare keeps popping up in the majority of polls as a, as a more important issue than the economy. So why is it that we're supposed to believe Oh, her calling card is she's got a plan for everything. Nobody asks, well, how is she? Everybody says Bernie Sanders is a fantasy uh, man. Fantasy. None of his plans will ever get through. Nobody says that about Elizabeth Warren. Nobody says that about Elizabeth Warren. Nobody asks how is she going to get her plans through. Nobody asks how will she get her plans through turkey neck Mitch McConnell. It's just taken on faith that she is all uh, other an otherworldly almighty figure, right? And again... I don't think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton. Some of you disagree with me. I, I don't think she is personally. But let's call it what it is. She is not firm on Medicare for all. That's what she's saying in that leaked audio. And what she's saying in that leaked audio is not how she phrases it at public debates. It's a lot weaker uh, it, behind closed doors and a lot, shall I say, flexible. A lot more flexible how she's saying it in front in, in, in private conversations. What does it mean that the first step is getting everyone to the table? The problem is we know who is blocking us. What does that mean, getting everybody to the table? You're going to invite executives at Pfizer? You're going to invite the executives who are price gouging the EpiPen and letting people die and ration insulin? You're going to invite the um, healthcare money managers? You're going to invite the pharmacy company middlemen? Who are you inviting? I get it. You're going to invite union members to the table. But who else gets to sit at this table? And if it was so easy, if solving health care, which Democrats supposedly have been trying to solve for three decades, going as far back to Teddy Kennedy, if solving health care was as simple as we just need to get everybody to a table and sing kumbaya, it would have been done a long time ago. The recent Emerson poll that just came out today, you know, everything's been doom and gloom. Bernie, you need to drop out. You're too old, blah, blah, blah. You had a heart attack. Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are essentially tied for first place nationally. Uh, Bernie Sanders is up three points uh, compared to the last Emerson poll. Elizabeth Warren, I believe, is around the same at 21%. Uh, what is really important here, and I also think why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's um, endorsement matters so much. Here we go. Sanders continues to dominate the age 18 to 29 group with 45% of the vote, followed by Warren at 17%. That's a pretty big gap. Andrew Yang, 15%. As we know, as the voters get older, Sanders sees his support drop. So I think what you're seeing with this AOC endorsement is Bernie's doubling down on the young. I don't want to exclude my older voters who feel the burn. We love you. I'm not saying older people are dumb, but by the data, Bernie overall uh, doesn't do well with older people because more older people are establishment. You might not be as an older viewer watching this, but most of your compatriots in your age group are drinking that drinking that steady diet of gradual gradualism. So Bernie is saying, you know what? 
I'm not going to waste my time anymore trying to pick off these older folks who are, you know, by this BS of the Russian boogeyman and, you know, uh, socialism is communism. I'm going to try and expand the electorate. I'm going to try and bring out even more young people in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, California. And those people generally will not show up on polls because a lot of them never voted before and a lot of them don't show up as likely voters, thus they don't get phone calls from polling companies. So I have say, I've been saying for a while, there is a bit of a, uh, I guess you could call it a hidden Bernie Sanders supporter that isn't being polled and thus it's showing him in some polls in a distant third and fourth place in some polls. So I wanna show you another part of this poll. I wanna show you another part of this poll that is very, very interesting. So Biden leads those who supported Clinton in 2016 with 42%, followed by Warren at 16 and Sanders with 14. That's actually surprising that Sanders is even close with Warren as far as people who supported Clinton. Everybody just assumed Elizabeth Warren was getting all of, most of Hillary Clinton's support. Joe Biden is. And the fact that Bernie even has 14% support among Hillary Clinton's 2016 voters is pretty impressive. Sanders holds a lead among those who supported him in the 2016 primary with 39% support, followed by Warren with 25% and Biden with 12%. I don't know what's more stunning to me, the fact that 25% of Bernie Sanders supporters from 2016 have switched to Elizabeth Warren, or the fact that there is 12% of Bernie Sanders supporters who now support Joe Biden. That is shocking to me. Utterly shocking. So I'm going to tackle the Elizabeth Warren point first, that there are 25%, 25% of Bernie Sanders supporters that are, um, that switch to Elizabeth Warren, which again, I don't understand. Uh, 25% of Bernie Sanders supporters from 2016. For the 25%, for the 25% of Bernie Sanders supporters from 2016 who are now supporting Elizabeth Warren, here's, here's what I'd like to understand. If you supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, obviously you are somewhat progressive. If you supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, obviously you knew he was an older candidate then. He was still in his mid-70s in 2016. If you supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, one of the big reasons you supported him was Medicare for All. If you supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, one of the big reasons you supported him is he, unlike Hillary Clinton, was not going to be a crazy warmonger. So what I don't understand, and again, I'm not knocking these people as bad or stupid. You know, people have their reasons for doing things. But 25% of you, if Medicare for All was a top issue for you, you've switched over to somebody who has a plan for everything but Medicare for All. You switched over to, if, if the wars and Bernie Sanders' position against this endless voyeurism around the world, Elizabeth Warren has voted for every single one of D- Donald Trump's massive defense budgets. I don't get it. I mean, if you supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, I mean, yes, he's 78. Yes, he had a heart attack. But did you, did you just see his debate performance? Did you just see him on stage with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? It just, I, I, I don't quite get it. it. I just don't quite get what would be the reason for you to switch from Bernie Sanders to Elizabeth Warren. I, I agree, Elizabeth Warren has some positive positions, but part of why you supported Bernie Sanders is you trust him. He's been consistent. You don't have to question 
whether he's going to fight for the things he's standing for. Do you have that same confidence with Elizabeth Warren? Because 25%, that's a big chunk of Bernie Sanders supporters from 2016 to go to her. Then for the 12% of Bernie Sanders supporters that moved to Joe Biden? I mean, do you want to drown? Do you want to go down in an epic Titanic crash? I mean, what are you thinking, 12% of you? These people I will call idiots. Joe Biden is not a progressive. Joe Biden is not a Democrat. Joe Biden is a Republican. He's also literally squandering the, the, the donations he has on private jets and lavish hotel rooms. So 12% of you, you need to get your head examined. You need to stop voting against your own interests. You need to come back to, the, to Bernie. Because if 12% of Bernie supporters that are now stunningly supporting Joe Biden come home, Bernie Sanders would skyrocket to first place in almost every poll. That's a huge chunk of support for Biden. I think you would also see it show up in Iowa and New Hampshire as Bernie going to first if those people that are fleeing to Joe Biden come back. That I don't understand. It's not an age thing because Joe Biden is just as old. And clearly, clearly, you could see a difference in cognitive capabilities between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. So I think that's shocking to me. Truly, truly stunning that that many people have gone to Joe Biden. So I want to bring up a story uh, on the local level that shows it's not just Bernie Sanders who the corporations are going at. It's not just Bernie Sanders who the tech companies are going against. It's not just Bernie Sanders who the establishment is going against. It's progressive leaders like Seattle's Shama Sawant. Now, you might think this story is not important, but trust me, it is. Because it doesn't matter if Bernie Sanders becomes president if there is no support on the ground on the local level. As Bernie Sanders talks, says it, support and it comes from the bottom up. We need progressive leaders on the city council level all the way up to the White House. So we covered uh, the homeless epidemic brought to you by Amazon in Seattle a couple months ago, thanks to your GoFundMes, thanks to you guys joining us as members. Uh, and we interviewed Shama Swant, who right now Amazon is spending $1.4 million, again, for a city council race, Amazon is pouring in $1.4 million to try and get socialist progressive champion Shama Sawant kicked out of the Seattle City Council. Long before last year's Democratic Socialist takeover in the Chicago City Council, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez victory in Congress and the 2016 Sanders presidential campaign, there was Shama Sawant. In 2013, the then 40-year-old former software engineer eked out a 1% victory to win a seat on the Seattle City Council, running as a member of the Socialist Alternative, a fledgling socialist political party. She won re-election in 2015 and has held the seat in Seattle's 3rd District downtown ever since. For a time, she may well have been the most notable socialist politician after Sanders in the country. Sawant's election was surprising, but not inconceivable. Seattle is renowned for its liberal leanings and its quirkness, and Sawant's policy agenda aligned broadly with the city's political inclinations. Well, unfortunately, the city is also run by Amazon. 
So it's also home to some of the country's largest corporations like Starbucks, Boeing, Microsoft, and Amazon, all of which have long enjoyed Washington's regressive tax environment. The state has no personal or corporate income tax while doling out massive tax subsidies to those exact corporations. Some of those companies rallied against Sawant's tax proposals in the past. And now, as she's facing re-election, Amazon has taken an active role in trying to boost her opponent, pledging an unprecedented $1.45 million, including $1 million announced last week, to the Chamber of Commerce's PAC, Civil Alliance for a Sound Economy. The PAC has sought to elevate Sawant's opponent and reconstitute the Seattle City Council along even more business-friendly lines. Amazon's startling donation is the largest contribution to a local election in anyone's memory, per the Seattle Times, and an intervention into politics the likes of which hasn't been attempted by any of Seattle's corporate titans until now. So basically, what you have here, a local socialist, Shama Sawant, was able to galvanize. They did get the city council to vote on something called the head tax. And that head tax would have charged Amazon workers, Boeing workers, uh, Microsoft workers, big companies like that. It would have charged the companies, not the workers, the companies $250 a head to pay for more affordable housing and to put an end to the rampant, if you live in Seattle, homelessness. And it's not like homelessness where they're all in like one corner of the city. It's homelessness spread out in beautiful, new, gentrified city, uh, little sections of town. There's tent cities with tents all over the place. Spread, so it's not just like in some other cities under the bridges or something like that. It's spread out throughout the nice parts of town. And this is why, for those of you who didn't see part of my interview with Shama Sawant, take a look. This is why they want this socialist champion out of office. crux of what we're talking about, and you're right, even since 2009, it has dramatically shifted. Just to give some numbers for your viewers, uh, in Seattle, in the Seattle region, we've seen rents go up by 155% since 1998, so in the last 20 years. It is just stunning. I mean, can you even hold that number in your brain and think of what it could be? And since 2010, in the last eight years, rents have gone up by 69%. So in other words, what we're seeing is a city that has been the construction crane capital for three years running, meaning construction is booming here. There's no shortage of new homes being built, but very little of that is affordable to ordinary people, to even the middle class. And so you see at the same time that you have double digit vacancy rates, you see uh, tens of thousands of people getting pushed out in the city becoming really a play playground for the wealthy. So when they talk about the booming economy, we hear that from Trump. Uh, the Democratic Party for many, many years, they talk about, oh, well, you need to retrain for the jobs of the future. Well, if you have unfettered greed, no rent control, developers basically have the keys to the kingdom uh, where they could just seize properties. Amazon has essentially, I mean, it's almost like an occupying force <laughs> in Seattle. Uh, you know, you have people that say, oh, they're bringing all these jobs, but jobs for who? I mean, we, we were downtown yesterday, and it's very striking. You have gentrified areas with bars and restaurants and shopping districts and just sleeping bags, homeless mm -hmm. people, and people just walking past them. And I, I think what's also striking is a lot of the homeless here work. Uh, a lot of the homeless work. Uh, there's a lot of young homeless and youth homelessness. 
Uh, so can you kind of talk about, uh, there's this notion that Seattle and, and cities like it are, are, I think, in many corporate uh, uh, areas, think it's booming. But it doesn't seem to be booming for anyone but the, the wealthy. Right, and I think, I think everything you captured in, in that comment and question really is, uh, goes to the heart of uh, the way the capitalist system works, which is that you can have a booming economy, and yet that booming economy is going to leave behind the vast majority of people to some measure or another, some worse than the others. And so uh, what you see is a construction boom in Seattle, also a jobs boom in some ways, but uh, it mainly uh, is benefiting a small section of uh, society and it's not only the billionaires that are benefiting, obviously they are taking home the lion's share of the wealth, but you do see tech jobs and yes, absolutely, we want uh, good quality jobs for ordinary people. We want people to excel in maths and sciences and uh, really explore their talents. The problem, and this is the reason I'm a socialist, is that the problem with capitalism is that um, jobs are get created only as a means, only so far as they are a means for expanding, ever expanding the profits for a small section at the top. And who are we talking about? Our enemies are not the workers in the tech sector. Our enemies are Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, billionaires like that. In fact, those three billionaires own more wealth than the bot entire bottom half of the US population. That's the kind of system we're talking about. And so that system is geared to rewarding people who already have immense amounts of wealth. And so uh, Jeff Bezos gets richer every year while we, the rest of us get poorer every year. So you know what you said about developers having the keys to the kingdom, really I think that's a metaphor for capitalism itself. Capitalism is a productive system, but the only people who have keys to the kingdom are the very, the sliver at the top and the rest of us have to struggle. And so as a socialist, I would like to, I would like us to uh, t you know, imagine a different kind of society where the incredible wealth and resources and everything in our society is, uh, is, uh, is harnessed to make sure that everybody has a decent standard of living. And short of socialism, let me talk about something that we can do in the here and now. You talked about rent control. Absolutely, Seattle needs rent control without loopholes, corporate loopholes. What Seattle also needs is a massive expansion of social housing, which is publicly funded affordable housing that will remain affordable to everybody at all times, but that has to be funded by taxing big businesses like Amazon and Macy's and so on. But what would that actually be? That would be a massive jobs program. So let us not only, let us not be beholden to this only, that, that, that you can only have jobs if you allow Jeff Bezos to make profit hand over fist. No, there are many examples of how we can create jobs publicly, unionized living wage jobs, but it also benefits society. Hope you enjoyed that last video. Hop on over to statusquo.com where you can sign up for our email list and become a member for as low as five to $10 a month. Membership is how we grow. That's statusquo.com slash join. And remember, Woo! Shama Sawant. Listen, listen, I stand by, I stand by my opening, my longtime uh, statement, my number one for vice president, if Bernie won the nomination, is Nina Turner. I stand by that. But Shama Sawant is my number two. I think Shama Sawant would be that wild card like Sarah Palin pick, only with brains, only not racist, 
and awesome. The only similarity would be a wild card that no one expected. But I love me some Shama Sawant, and that kind of radical progressivism is exactly why Amazon is pouring in $1.4 million. By the way, just for proportion, most city council races, like, I don't know, a candidate might get $10,000 from, or, or might raise like a couple, you know, tens of thousands, maybe $100,000. They are donating a mil, over a million dollars basically to the other candidate to try and eliminate Shama Sawant. This is why Amazon is a nation state. This is why Facebook is a nation state. They are out of control. And that's why, frankly, the one thing that I like of Elizabeth Warren, that Bernie Sanders has not gone this fair, I don't know if she means it, is when she says, I'm gonna break up Amazon, Facebook, and Google. We need that, particularly in terms of Google, because Google is the reason status quo and other channels like it. Independent, anti-war, progressive channels are not prominently shown on, on platforms like YouTube. Why all our videos are getting demonetized. Why half, the, half of the progressive population that goes on YouTube has no idea that status quo even exists because they never see it in their feeds because of big brother Google own, that owns YouTube suppressing the hell out of alternative voices. It's the same concept of why Amazon is trying to suppress the hell, and in this case, eliminate somebody like Shama Sawan. Why, think about it, why would a massive corporation be spending so much money to, get, to try and get rid of somebody calling for rent control, social housing, universal healthcare, free education? Because people like that, they're very dangerous. I'm not comparing her to Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther King, back in his day, talking about you know, uh, economic justice, talking about jobs for everyone, that's dangerous to the capitalist order. We got to get rid of that person. Now, I'm not suggesting violence is coming her way, God forbid. But what I am saying is they, the capitalist order needs to eliminate all, all threats posed to it. And Shama Sawant has been a thorn in Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing's, nice little life that they have out there. And that life is owning the city of Seattle, pushing all the working people and poor people out. The homeless epidemic in Seattle, the, the, the majority of the homeless people there, black. And black people are a minority in Seattle, but they're the majority of people that are homeless in Seattle. So I say, we can't, you know, everyone's focused, rightly so, on the presidential election, but we cannot take our eye off of these local elections. Because if people like Shama Sawant get kicked out of office in Seattle, if people on the local level, progressives, get kicked out of office, then you really have no first line of defense against companies like Amazon. You know, Bernie could do a lot as president, but he can't do it all. You need allies in the local, local level too. So I'm a journalist. I'm not going to, you know, tell you what to do. But I would definitely suggest you go check out Shama Sawant online check out her policies you know support her however you want but it's very very important to make sure these progressives remain in office and don't let amazon win because if amazon wins i mean we've been to seattle uh ty and i went there a couple months ago if amazon wins in getting rid of the the loudest voice against them who knows what new 
I'm trying not to get demonetized for this video. New effery they'll get into next with nobody there on the city council or in the mayor's level or in the governor's. I mean, Governor Jay Inslee, who had a great climate plan, but has sat by as Amazon has just ran roughshod over the working people of Seattle and Washington State. 